0: It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the sports, sports Rush, rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Three ball, that's Landis. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time
1: of your path, right? this, amateur God, This is going to be huge. I think this is going to be our final
0: song. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever had. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems.
1: Welcome to the alleged show. to be able to go home on a Monday and listen to Whitney Houston singing I want to dance with somebody it is so much better than listening during the commercial break to Adam try to belt out that tune I will just tell you that (laughs) it is the Sports Rush your daily local sports fix 4 to 6 I am Brett Rupp along with Adam Lundy and we have you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862 big hour including the Hall of Famer Don Fisher who will join us to talk Indiana basketball. Uh, also, the IHSAA girls tournament still rolling. Man, we had a good one on Saturday night. I hope everybody had a chance to tune in and check out Columbia City versus Homestead. Number three versus number ten. What a game we had on Saturday night.
2: What a game. And if you did miss it, you can listen to the full replay of the call just by searching uh, Fort Wayne High School Sports wherever you listen to
1: podcasts. That's right. We actually podcast and make available archiving our game broadcast. So whatever high school broadcast you want to go back and check out, maybe it's a player that was playing, you want to go back and listen to how it was called or Maybe it's a uh, coach. Maybe it's a parent that was in the seats, didn't have the uh, ear pod in, which is a big mistake. Big, big mistake. (laughs) But uh, you can always go back, listen to the games. We make them available to you just simply by going to 1380thefan.com and checking out our podcast page. And again, it's Fort Wayne High School Sports. You can look for it wherever you listen to your favorite podcast as well. But if you did miss the broadcast, first of all, this was a terrific basketball game. Columbia City came out of the gates and caught Homestead deer in headlights type of start for the Homestead Lady Spartans as you have a young team that's got four sophomore starters, one junior, and you could just tell that Homestead's never been in this kind of environment, this kind of stage, this kind of pressure. And Columbia City, who has an experienced team, they took it to them. But Homestead, such a good coach, and Rod Parker, he got the girls settled down. They started to figure it out as the game went on. And by the second half, Homestead started to take control of this basketball game, and Columbia City could never get it back. But, hey, we'll give you a whole recap. You don't even I mean, you can listen to the game if you choose to. I mean, we'd love to have you listen on our podcast page, but we'll give you the entire highlights of the game in this little one-minute and 40-second montage. Epps into the front court, Columbia City back defensively, Epps crosses over, tries to the basket in the left-handed layup by Maya Epps, Homestead brings it front court, here comes Epps, at the foul line, spins, throws it up off the window, and got it, what a play by Maya Epps, who's got 13 to lead all scorers, and the game down to a one-possession lead for Columbia City, 32-29, to outside the top of the key, right wing, Helson launches, got Three-pointer for Gabby Helsum. A two-point lead for Columbia City. Ankenbrook brings it on the dribble to the elbow. Hands it off to Helsum. Helsum spins. Throws it up off the glass. We're tied. Helsum with the 10-footer. 34-34. All tied up here at Columbia City. Fry on the dribble. Top of the key with a little crossover and a push off. that didn't get called. Now Moldering. A drive. A layup. And Homestead leads for the first time in the ballgame. 36 34. Rebound Columbia City. Baxter feeds Baker. Layup good. In the corner, Ankenbrook. Shot take drive. Ankenbrook, a layup good. Homestead back on top 40 to 38. It's all tied 42 apiece. What a game we've got here at Columbia City. Maya Epps crossover in the lane. Floats it up with the left hand. Maya Epps puts her team ahead again for Epps. Here's Epps top of the key. They clear out the paint let Epps go to work. She drives. Scoops! Got it! It goes all Michael Jordan with the pulse in the air. Maya Epps taking her team on her back. The streak continues. Six straight sectional championships for the Homestead Lady Spartans. This one on Columbia City's floor. High final score 57 to 49. There you go. It was the Maya Epps show down the stretch, fourth quarter especially. She took over the game with Purdue coaches sitting in the front row, watching closely. And uh, Maya Epps leads Homestead to the sectional title. This was the year for Columbia City. You know, after falling to Homestead four straight years in the sectional, they had a chance. They had an experienced team. Very talented team. They had the balance inside, outside, point guard. I mean, you name it, they had it. And unfortunately for Columbia City, they can't get the job done for a fifth consecutive year. Homestead wins yet another sectional title. And Homestead advances into the regional. And uh, that regional, of course, the way it works, one game regional. No longer do we have the four-team pods at a school where you have two day games and then a night game for a championship No, it's just go to the school, play a game, get a regional, and get prepped for a semi-state, which will be morning morning and evening uh, coming up next week. But coming up Saturday, uh, Homestead is going to play McCutcheon. Now, they've got one of the top scorers in the state at McCutcheon. That game will tip at 1 o'clock, and at 4 o'clock, you've got Noblesville versus Snyder. Snyder was a big winner over Carroll on Saturday night. Those two games both take place at Marion this Saturday. Uh, you've got Woodland in action at LaPelle. They'll take on Hamilton Heights at 1 p.m. Fremont is going to take on Lewis Cass at Belmont. That'll be a 4 o'clock start. You've got uh, Benton Central versus Norwell at Caston. Uh, so that uh, in the Rochester area. Benton Central, Norwell, they'll play at 4 o'clock. And at West Dell, it's the Bishop-Lewers-Knight's who uh, got sectional win over Whitco they'll take on LCC once again and Westdell doesn't seem to be the most convenient location for these two schools but yeah we're talking about the IHSA I <laughs> I I mean sometimes you just can't make it all work out right but you know you've got Belmont hosting a regional and you've got Norwell who has to go to Caston but that's because the opponent they're scheduled to play is from Lafayette
2: yeah, that's uh some IHSAA uh regionals for you.
1: Yeah, regionals aren't regionals. They're <laughs> all the way across the state. They just the one consistency they have is it is the northern half versus the southern half this week, but yeah. anyway, there's your uh there's your IHSAA girls tournament pairings coming up uh for this this Saturday's regional. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Got to tell you about Indiana State. You know, I I've been on the bandwagon for about a month now. Yeah. Uh, Much like last year, I got onto the bandwagon of FAU, and the Owls continued to roll all the way to the final four. Could Indiana State be this year's FAU? We don't have a sound of a tree. No, there's no tree sounds. But uh, the Sycamores, they haven't had this kind of, of chances in the tournament, I don't think, since maybe even the Larry Bird days. That's how long it's been for... Terre Haute, the Indiana State Sycamores, but this team can really shoot it. And what was fun to watch on Saturday is they didn't shoot it that well. Shot just 23% on three-pointers. They were only seven for 30. Now, this is a team that collectively hits almost 40% from the three-point line. They were almost half what they normally are in shooting three. So they had to kind of grind out a win against a really good Drake team that has kind of set the bar in the Missouri Valley Conference In Indiana State on their home floor at the Holman Center with a packed crowd, got the job done, 75-67 over over Drake. This game was tied at 67 apiece, less than a minute left. And Robbie Avila, who might be one of the most popular players by the time it's all said and done in college basketball because he's a big man that shoots threes and he has like these goggle-looking glasses that he wears. Uh, But he ended up stepping out, getting the three-pointer that gave Indiana State a 70-67 lead, and they never looked back. Drake never scored again, and Indiana State gets the win. Uh, Indiana State actually started this game with a 24-7 lead, and Drake got it to within one at halftime. But, uh, you know, Drake was actually uh, one of the top three-point shooting teams or top shooting teams in the country. They were 35th in field goal percentage, and Indiana State defensively held them to under 40% for the game. Meanwhile, Indiana State struggles also uh, were pretty uh, evident because they were the fourth-best team in uh, field goal percentage in the NCAA. They only hit 42.4% of their shots. But Indiana State continues to roll. They are easily leading the Missouri Valley Conference right now. Just one conference loss. Um, 46862, you know... uh, I think what we're going to do, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk Don Fisher. When okay. we come back, we've got to talk Butler basketball. Sounds good to me. It was a big win for Butler, but it seems like it's been almost a week ago. Because, <laughs> you know, that Friday night college basketball, you know, that, that stuff just kind of throws us off. Yeah. But there was a big Friday night game. And in fact, we talked about it on Friday's show. And if you listened real close, you probably made a little something something on this game. Ooh. We'll tell you what we're talking about after don fisher but uh don fisher comes up next here on the sports rush welcome back to the sports rush your daily local sports fix four to six i am brett rump along with adam lundy and every week at this time we're joined by the legendary hall of fame broadcaster of the indiana hoosiers don fisher to talk about the uh the greatness that was down in bloomington and this week we really don't have that to talk about in fact we got to talk about a bad loss. And, and Don, let's be honest. There's a ton of pride in Indiana fans for what that Indiana across the chest represents. And I don't feel that with this team. They didn't show up. There was not an inspired effort at home against a team that should have been beaten. Uh, Overall, not a good day down at Simon Scott Assembly
0: Hall. No, it was not. Um, It started out fine. Uh, Indiana actually was able to build an 11-point lead in the first half with about 5.15 to go uh, in that first half of play. But it kind of started to deteriorate at that point, and all of a sudden they turned the ball over a couple of times. Uh, I think uh, Penn State knocks down a big three toward the end of the first half. It becomes a four-point game at halftime. So they go to the locker room, and you just would assume – uh, that having let that lead slip a little bit at that point, that uh, they got a stern talking to. I'm assuming uh, they come back out in the second half, and from that point forward, Penn State takes over the ball game. It was really not good, and Penn State was able to shoot threes like they were the best shoot, three point shooting team in the country. They knocked down 12 of 22 from the three point line in this ball game for 54%. Uh, the second half, Indiana couldn't find any way to make a basket. They didn't get the ball to Khalil Ware for much of the second half. He had 17 first-half points. He ends up with just eight points in that final half of play after dominating the first half, and he had a double-double for the ball game, 25-11. and 11. But the second half, the consistency level of which you have to play basketball uh, with aggressiveness and toughness and all those kinds of things, it simply was not there. And it's really concerning at this point in the season because you thought maybe they could build a little bit of something going into this week where they're going on the road for two ball games against Ohio State, a team that they beat earlier this year, and then Purdue on Saturday. And you thought, well, maybe they can get that momentum going a little bit, uh, pick up a third straight win going into the Purdue ball game. Well, now you're back to square one, and I don't know what this team, uh, I don't know how they think. I think it's a fragile team from a mental standpoint at this juncture of the season. Uh, Why they did not execute what they were trying to do in the second half of the game against Iowa, or against Penn State, I should say, I have no idea. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem for this ball club. There's no question. We talked about them having to look in the mirror after those two losses to Wisconsin and Purdue leading up to the Illinois game when they actually played a, a pretty good basketball game against the team on the road that's one of the ranked teams in the country at number ten when they faced them in Illinois. But they haven't come back since then I mean, against Iowa they played pretty well most of the time despite a couple of injuries that were key in that game. Malik Renew went down with the injury to his ankle, uh, and Xavier Johnson went out in the second half of that ball game with an elbow injury that may keep him out a while. So, so you lose two guys in that ball game, uh, and you come back the next time out, uh, and you lay an egg, and it just it does not make any sense.
1: Don, you've been around long enough to know that the history of Indiana basketball includes a lot of kids that played high school basketball in the state of Indiana. and. I- and I almost feel like Indiana's core was generally made up of kids that grew up dreaming to be part of Indiana basketball. That was an honor. They, they grew up wanting to wear that jersey. Now you've got a different day and age where guys come from all over the country because of the stars. They come from, you know, the academy in Florida. They come from all, all over the place. And, and I wonder, it, has it changed? The game, and, and maybe even more so for a program like Indiana that used to be so homegrown and connected to to the high school basketball in this state. But has it changed? Because that was the one thing that that I keep thinking about this program is show some pride, play your butt off. I mean, you're you're wearing that jersey, and and that's, you know, that's a real privilege. I I, I don't know. Has it changed things at IU?
0: Well, I think it has changed, um, and I think the recruiting has changed. And we're looking at, um, I, look, Purdue recruits a lot of Indiana kids, <laughs> and Purdue is winning. Uh, Matt Painter's done a heck of a job there in that regard. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, people could complain about uh, getting beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament the last couple of years uh, with good ball clubs, but the consistency with which Purdue plays uh... year in and year out is something to behold and it used to be what you'd see from indiana that has changed a lot with a lot of different coaching changes and those kinds of things we thought mike woodson might bring that back to indiana but he's been recruiting a lot of players from outside the state Um and obviously guys in the transfer portal as well you have to do some of that at this point in time but you still have a, have a nucleus i think Of Indiana players on your bench. Guys that have been there, have talked just like you talked about, uh, uh, want to wear that jersey because they grew up watching it and those kinds of things and, and being a fan, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's a big part of some of the problems that this team is having because with the exception of Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal, uh, there's not a lot of Indiana players on this roster that are factors, uh, in, in that regard. And, We'll just have to wait and see how this thing plays out. But I think pride is a factor that is missing from this ball club.
1: They obviously had trouble defending the three-point line again. What do you see as the biggest factor there?
0: Well, to guard the three-point line, you have to get up into people. I don't know if Penn State was doing something that kept Indiana from being able to do that. Um, this team is. This team has done has have has played some really good defense at times this year, but to me, if there's been a failing on a consistent basis throughout much of this season, it has been at the defensive end of the floor because they've let a lot of teams shoot threes against them. You've watched those games just like I have. Uh, I, I know you don't see every one of them, but. When this team is playing really good defense, teams are not knocking down 50% of their Mm -hmm. three-point shots. In fact, they're usually in the 20% range, of percentage-wise. This team, when when and when when one guy from the other team starts to make threes, it's like it's a, a, a pandemic. Uh, there's no question this team really struggles at the defensive end of the floor, in my opinion, more so than any of Woodson's pr- first two seasons because that's when Indiana's defense played pretty well, uh, especially against the three point shot. This team, it's been totally inconsistent much of this year, and most of the time it has not been good against the three point shot.
1: You mentioned Khalil Ware, and I was listening to the broadcast in the first half. I had a chance to watch the second half, so I was listening uh, to you call the action in the first half. Khalil Ware was just taking over the ball game. I mean, he was unbelievable. And uh, what was it that you saw in him? Because that's the Khalil Ware I think everybody at IU wanted to see. What What did you see from him in that first half?
0: Well, he obviously shot the ball well, he was rebounding, he rebounded well. He actually did that the whole ball game. He just didn't make he didn't get touches in the second half. I mean, he shoot he has 17 first half points. He scores 8 in the second half. Because they didn't go to him as much, maybe Penn State had something to do with that to some degree. But I didn't see it as significant. And Malik Reno obviously was in this ball game too. When we thought maybe he wouldn't even play in the contest because of the ankle injury he suffered against Iowa, well, he gutted it out, went out there and played pretty well. He did foul out of the ball game, but still he had 16 points and five boards in the contest. But Khalil hardly touched the ball in the second half. And I, I don't know if it was Penn State taking him away uh, or we just didn't get the ball to him as they should have. The other thing was that uh, Anthony Leal who is an Indiana kid came off the bench in the Iowa ball game and had such a terrific performance in that mm-hmm. contest. He came in off the bench in this game, played 13 almost 14 minutes in the game and really struggled to shoot the basketball. So you didn't get hardly anything from the bench in this contest at all. Anthony Walker played I think 5 minutes in the first half and never saw the floor in the second half. I don't know what that means. Obviously he did something that obviously upset the coaching staff because he obviously wasn't out there in the second half in any way, shape, or form. But the bench in this ball game gave him almost nothing. I think they had three points, and that was C.J. Gunn scoring a basket late in the contest. So um, uh, right now, this ball club is searching, and it's in real trouble at this juncture of the season because they've got two road games this week that are both going to be very difficult to win.
1: Yeah, you look at uh, Ohio State coming up next tomorrow night in Columbus and. I look at the standings right now, and I see all these teams sitting, you know, right around 500 or or Indiana, just below 500. And I think uh, for IU, they're one loss away from getting an opening day game in the Big Ten tournament. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, that makes these games against Ohio State, especially when you have Purdue coming up, that makes a game like Ohio State that much more important.
0: It's a huge game in my opinion. Um, you've you've got to be able to beat a team that you beat the first time and has struggled ever since you beat them the first time. They've they've won one game out of the last seven since Indiana played them and beat them uh, in their first meeting when they were 12 and two at that point. They have really struggled of late. They're three and eight uh, in conference play in total. Um, it, it's a game that Indiana can win if they play up to their capability. But will they do that? Because on the road this year, they've only won one time uh, in a true road game this year. That was against uh, Michigan back in December. Uh, and Michigan, we found out, is obviously uh, not a very good ball club this year. So uh, this is going to be, a, I think, this could be a pivotal game for the rest of this season. If Indiana cannot, can win it, I think it may turn them around a little bit. If they can't win it, I think Indiana's in real trouble.
1: We'll see what happens, comes up tomorrow night. You got uh, you got a coach's show tonight?
0: No coaches show tonight because, obviously, this is a travel day for okay. the team. Uh, therefore, no coaches show tonight. But we don't have any other breaks the rest of the season. We'll be on Monday nights the rest of the year.
1: All right. Look forward to the call coming up tomorrow night from Columbus. Don, always appreciate your time on Monday mornings. Look forward to chatting next week.
0: Thanks, Brad. See
1: ya. Yep. That is Don Fisher joining us here on the sports rush. He joins us each and every week for 15 minutes with Fish. Um, and and I'll tell you what, it, that was just an embarrassment because for Indiana, okay, you can, if they play hard and they lose a game at Illinois, or they play hard and they lose a game to a team like Purdue, or they play hard and lose against a team like Wisconsin on the road, okay. You can accept it. But if they come back home on their home court against a winnable team, a beatable team, and they give that effort where it just seemed like they were always a step slow, maybe a little uninspired, maybe lacking a little bit of energy or a little bit of bounce, I mean don't don't give me excuses about a noon tip because they've they've had what three or four noon tips it's been pretty customary Indiana plays a lot of games each year at uh, 12 noon down there at Assembly Hall so I I just can't explain it I mean it's just it, there's no explanation uh, there's gotta be more pride in what that jersey says across the front chest. And right now, I'm not seeing it with Indiana. And I don't know if that is something that you have to address with the coaching staff, if it's something that you've got to address internally. Trey Galloway, uh, Anthony Leal are those two guys, guys that have to step up and try to give some kind of a rah-rah speech in the, in the locker room. Uh, somebody has to be a leader because you have to have your team ready to play. And a lot of times I think that type of, being ready to play that's often the guys I mean the coach is going to give the same rah-rah speech pretty much you know fire them up go out and get them uh, that kind of speech before the game but really where that inspiration comes from to to go out play hard is the inspiration I think you get amongst your peers the people around you the the other players and that's where players need to hold players accountable and there's got to be guys willing to step up that actually will hold other players accountable and i i don't know that i i really see it i'm not sure they've got the leadership and i hate to think that xavier johnson and his absence cost them a leader because i don't see xavier johnson as a leader but (sighs) something was missing on saturday definitely something missing the energy the bounce the pride wasn't there and Indiana ends up falling to Penn State. We got to take a time out. We're going to come back plenty more ahead here on this Monday edition of The Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Let us know what's on your sports brain on this Monday. You can always text us on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 468 62. Reminder coming up tonight college basketball hits the airwaves at 845. We've got the Kansas Jayhawks and the Kansas State. Wildcats. Ooh, a little Kansas versus Kansas State. Oh, a State. rivalry yeah, game. I yeah. like that. Throwing it your way at the radio dial tonight at 845, 9 o'clock, I think they tip, or just after 9 o'clock, so you can join us for your coverage of Kansas, Kansas State. Tomorrow night, remi- reminder, we've got the Mastodons' Coaches Show starting at 6 o'clock, and we've got Pacers Basketball at 7. They'll take on the Houston Rockets, the Matt Painter Show, will air At 11.05, coming up tomorrow night, right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. So, Friday, maybe it cashed in a little bit. If you listened to what I had to say, you know, I was telling you about the butler Creighton game. I had done my homework and research. I was more than willing to pass it along. Did you take advantage? Well, if you missed what I said, Friday, this is the way it went. I looked at Creighton over the last three at home. Other than DePaul, the three home games they've played most recently, I think these are all in January, they beat Xavier by seven, they beat St. John's by one, and they beat Providence by nine. So they've not had a 10-point win at home over the last month. Before that, at home, back in November December, they played teams like Villanova at home, and they lost to Villanova. They uh, beat Alabama by just three, and they beat Iowa by eight. So show me where there is something statistically or analytically that makes me believe Creighton is going to beat Butler by 11 or more points. I can't find it. So give me the dogs. Give me the bulldogs. (laughs) All right. I'm riding the bulldogs tonight. I like it. And if you joined in, you could have cashed in with me. Friday night, Bulldogs go on the road, get the win over Creighton. That was a great game. Just a, just a great college basketball game. Both teams uh, proficient offensively. Yeah, it really came down to the wire, too. So a lot of lot yeah. of drama, a lot of excitement. Oh, I think overtime, wasn't it? I'm sure ah. to remember. I watched it, but that was Friday. I've slept <laughs> twice since then. <laughs> killing away my memory brain cells. But, uh, but no, it was a, a great game. And all I know is that I was in the clear. Ten and a half points they were giving Butler for that game at Creighton on Friday night.
2: Looks like it was just a regulation game, but this is Google, so I don't trust it. I'm going to go to ESPN. <laughs> I'm, I was
1: going to say, you got to pick your uh, spots to go in there and grab scores. Because I, uh, I, I'm trying to remember if that was one of the... Uh, it was yeah, regulation. It was regulation? Yeah. On Friday night? A lot of scoring, though. 99 to 98 was regulation?
2: Yeah. (laughs) So it was, uh, at halftime, it was Creighton 49, Butler 45.
1: Because I got home just to see the end of it.
2: Get this, Butler scores 54 points in the (laughs) second half.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was uh, back and forth. Great game. Great game. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah, you could have cashed in if you would just listened to the Sports Rush on Friday. If you missed it, uh, shame on you for missing friday's show it could have it could have paid it could have paid for itself yeah absolutely all right so uh speaking of college basketball the new ap poll came out tonight i think the best four teams in the country right now are the top four teams that's uconn purdue north carolina kansas now i i think you can debate uconn and purdue as far as the number one overall team in the country right now but I certainly think those are the top four seeds. If I was to seed the tournament as of today, those would be my top four seeds. UConn, Purdue, North Carolina, and Kansas. Now, a lot can change in the next month or so, so don't hold (laughs) me to this. But I was looking at the first-round sites to try to figure out who's going to play where. And, of course, Indianapolis has a home site. So I thought, let's see who we're going to have in our area And uh, if you match up the top seeds with the first-round sites, you've got sites at New York City, Charlotte, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Memphis, Omaha, Salt Lake City, and Spokane, Washington. And I thought, well, UConn would make sense for New York City. Yeah. That's a short drive from UConn. Uh, You would have to put Purdue in Indianapolis. Yeah, at GameBridge. Yep. And then you'd have UNC... With a short trip to Charlotte. That works. And you'd put Kansas in Omaha. That also works. Yeah. So (laughs) if things shake out that way. So you'd have everybody playing a regional site not far away. It would work out well. You don't have a team out west. But now my number two seeds that I would have is a little different than what the AP poll has. I would have as my top number two seed right now, I would still have Houston. And then I would have Arizona, Duke, and Tennessee as the next rung. All right. And I would say then, if you look at the remaining locations, what would you have? Houston at Memphis. Yeah. I mean, you can put one and two at the same site if if it if that's the case. Arizona. Salt I, I, Lake? I would think Salt Lake City. Yeah, that would be the closest. Right. Duke would they put Duke and North Carolina in the same arena? Ooh, that's uh Charlotte? That'd be interesting. And then you'd have Tennessee, which probably be Memphis. Yeah. Uh and so that's that's what I'm looking at. Now, if you look at the actual AP poll that came out today, Uh, ranking the top 25 teams it is UConn number one they get 45 first place votes they're 20 and 2 and they are 1509 to 1479 in total points in the poll ahead of number two Purdue still 16 that said uh, 16 voters that said Purdue's the number one team in the country at 21 and 2 but then UNC Kansas both with four losses but they've had some pretty impressive wins, and Kansas, who uh, probably had one of the more impressive wins uh, over the uh, over the weekend when they beat Houston and beat them handily, 78 to 65, and putting up 78 against that defense for Houston, that's a pretty big number for Kansas. But uh, Kansas moves up four spots from number eight into the number four spot. And then Houston is number five. Tennessee is number six. Marquette is currently at seven. And Arizona at eight. Now, I've got Arizona in my my uh, top eight. And I have Duke in my top eight. Duke is ranked number nine. And I have Marquette out of my top eight. I think Marquette would be one of the top teams to consider for the third seed. But uh, in that grouping, you've got teams like Wisconsin, uh, Auburn, who's 18 and 4, Iowa State. Uh, I know they got beat. Who was it that Baylor beat them mm-hmm. this week? Um, Iowa State, I think, would be in the running for a four seed. Uh, after that, hard to say. I mean, it's pretty wide open. Um, but uh, but those would be my top seeds right now. And of course, Purdue gets the win over Wisconsin, so Purdue now. In front, in the Big Ten, Uh, if we look at the Big Ten standings and how everything sits today, you've got Purdue, all alone in first place, 10-2, and And then Illinois and Wisconsin tied for second a game and a half back at 8-3, and And then there's some separation with Northwestern and Michigan State at 6-5. Minnesota, really? Minnesota, right now is in 6th place in the Big 10. Yeah. With tied well kind of virtually tied. They're 5 and 5 and Nebraska's 6 and 6. Uh, tied with Nebraska, Minnesota and Nebraska are ahead of IU right now. That makes you feel even worse if you're an Indiana fan. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Indiana is 5 and 6 tied with Maryland, Penn State and Iowa. Five and six. There's four teams that are sitting with five and six records. Now here's the thing. Out of those four, one of them is probably going to drop into the company of Rutgers, Ohio State, and Michigan, and have to play all four days of the Big or all five days of the Big Ten tournament. They'll have to open that Wednesday session because the bottom four teams will play on Wednesday. So right now, Indiana is like one more bad loss away. That's why I think Indiana will look at this, and they'll look at Ohio State, three and eight, and they'll realize they need to go in there and beat those guys because if Ohio State moves up and starts to get into the company of Penn State, Maryland, Indiana, then all of a sudden now you've got another team that's trying to knock you down. Indiana has to go to Purdue coming up this weekend. So Indiana is very close right now. To being one of those bottom four in the Big Ten, a spot you do not want to have.
2: And I agree, this is one of those games where they actually will realize they need to avoid being embarrassed and kind of come together and,
1: and figure it out. But yeah, the, but it's but it's embarrassment personally. Yeah, it, it's like they don't play for pride with that Indiana on the front of the jersey. These aren't kids that grow up dreaming of wearing the candy stripe pants, and that's the problem with Indiana is. They go for all the gaudy national big recruiting wins, the five-star guys, and they put all their focus. And even the fan base has started to buy into this. And uh, and you know they want uh, McNeely, and they want uh, what's his face, uh, the other kid that goes to Montverde. Um, you know they they want the the flashy recruits instead of finding the guys that can ball, will play with each other, play the style you want to play. You know what style Mike Woodson wants to play? He wants to play an NBA style. And he wants kids that are basically on the doorstep of being, quote, NBA ready, but they don't know how to play with their teammates. They don't know a lot of the fundamentals. Why? Because they haven't been coached, because they haven't needed to be coached. A lot of times, these kids that are five stars, they've never had to work to be that good. They just have natural talent. They're tall kids that have excelled in basketball from the time they were very young. And so many so many of the five-star guys aren't your gym rats. Oh, they enjoy playing the game, and they'll go shoot some hoop and play some horse, but they aren't the real grinders that are really working on improving their game. Now, a lot of those kids you find in Indiana that are working almost relentlessly on improving their basketball game, their skill set, their fundamentals, they're getting well coached, whether it be some individual personal coaching, whether it be through their AAU program or whether it's on the high school level. They get some great coaching, improve the fundamentals, learn the game, because at Indiana, in Indiana, high school basketball, you've got to be able to to play at a high level, understanding the game of basketball. And so they come in with a good basketball IQ. I mean, there's guys that Indiana has had recently recently that did not have a basketball IQ. All they knew was, hey, the job is to beat your man on the bounce, get to the basket, and if they come and double you, try to find a teammate. If they don't, score it. That's it. That's what I know about the offense. That's what I know about the fundamentals of basketball. That doesn't always work. And right now, Indiana doesn't have pride as a team. Collectively, this isn't a group. That's embarrassed for the indiana that's on the front of the jersey they're embarrassed for the number that's on the back of the jersey and that's the question is will it be motivation enough for indiana to go on the road at ohio state get a win four six eight six two parkview sports medicine text line this is the sports rush on 1380 the fan and 100.9 fm Back final time on the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix four to six. Brett Rump, Adam Lundy, and once again, the regional pairings announced by the IHSAA. They don't let these out until they determine what teams are actually going to be playing, and then they put you into sites. They match you up, and it's all based on geography. Uh, our local teams in 4A, Homestead and Snyder, both heading to Marion. McCutcheon Homestead at 1 o'clock, Noblesville Snyder at 4 p.m. Fremont heads to Belmont, and they'll take on Lewis Cass at 4 o'clock. Uh, Woodland will be going to Lapel to take on Hamilton Heights, a 1 o'clock tip for the Warriors. You've got Norwell taking on Benton Central in Caston, which is near Rochester. That's a 4 o'clock tip. And then at West Dell, the Bishop Lewers Knights take on Lafayette Central Catholic with a 4 o'clock tip. Well, that just about wraps it up for us here on a Monday edition of the Sports Rush. Got to thank our guests that joined us on today's program, including Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Kaufman. He'll be a guest on the Mastodon's Coaches Show coming up tomorrow night. Also, the Mastodons at home on Wednesday to take on the Cleveland State Vikings at the Coliseum. Our coverage starts at 645 Wednesday night. And a big thanks to Don Fisher, Hall of Fame broadcaster from the Indiana Hoosiers, joining us for our 15 Minutes with Fish. Hope you have a great Monday night. We're coming back tomorrow, 4 to 6. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.